podcast series by the National Kidney Foundation. Our goal with this podcast is to take a look at nephrology as a career and why medical students choose it. We're exploring what day-to-day life is like for nephrologists at different points in their careers and highlighting their stories and experiences. I'm Laura Brereton, Director of our Clinical Practice Guideline Development Program, Kidoki. Thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're taking a look at pediatric nephrology, and I'm delighted to share a conversation we recorded between two wonderful people, Dr. Patty Siomayer and Dr. Joshua J.J. Zaritsky. Dr. Siomayer is Medical Director of Pediatric Nephrology at Innova Children's Hospital and Pediatric Specialists of Virginia and an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine. Dr. Zaritsky is Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Thomas Jefferson University and Chief of Pediatric Nephrology at Nemours DuPont Hospital for Children in Wilmington, Delaware. They have an engaging discussion about pediatric nephrology as a newer field of medicine and describe the people who are drawn to it as naturally empathetic problem solvers, saying, we get the touchy-feely stuff and the cool innovation. Hi, Patty. Tell me what drew you to pediatric nephrology. How'd you get there? (laughs) Um, So it's kind of a long story, but um, the abbreviated version is that my father was a physician my whole life. He sort of told me how great um, his his chosen vocation was. And being a rebellious uh, middle child, I said, no way. I never want to do that. I went to college and took philosophy and history courses um, and then gravitated towards a lot of history and sociology of medicine um, from that context and kind of learned from that perspective um, what what amazing roles physicians can have in society. Um, From there, I um, took a couple years off before applying to med school, um, working for AmeriCorps and doing some um, service-oriented work. And again, through that, I kind of found myself gravitating towards healthcare um, organizations and healthcare um, providers. And finally, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that actually being a physician was the way that I thought I could actually um, contribute. So in the end, my parents were right. Um, yeah, I ended up going to med them. school. I, I, loved, I loved my clinical years um, and really could have almost gone into anything. Um, but probably the seminal decision was, was going into pediatrics first. I didn't know that I wanted to be a nephrologist. I didn't actually have great exposure to nephrology as a med student. Um, in fact, I kind of remember learning physiology and being very confused and it seemed really hard. Um, but clinically, I um, loved complicated patients and I really loved kids. Um, so I went to pediatrics residency thinking maybe I would do hemonc or something that I had actually seen because I loved that continuity of care. I loved variety of acuity and I loved the kinds of relationships that um, specialists had with their patients. Um, and then by luck, my first year as a peds resident on the wards, I had a, a patient with hemolytic uremic syndrome. And um, it was, you know, July of my intern year, my first month. And just the way the nephrologist took care of that patient and her family, really, and educated the residents and really made it this really rich experience. Um, yeah. It became clear to me that that's actually where I Where, where did you train? Um, so I did my residency at Yale. Um, and stay there for fellowship as well. Um, and, you know, the group of nephrologists that were there when I trained, I don't know if you remember them, but yes. Norm Is Siegel. Is it lifted from there? Yeah, there's yep. a, there's a, there's a, that is a, a depth of, yeah. Amazing exactly. People there. Yeah. Exactly. I, um, I think that's the, that's the, you know, that's a real, that we're losing that generation of pediatric nephrologists, you know, that first kind of second generation who, 
they dedicated their life to pediatric nephrology. And I think in some senses, that's why we're having a hard time recruiting people to the subspecialty because these are, these are sort of like the, the I don't know when the, yeah. exactly the giants of pediatric nephrology. So it just takes a, a limited exposure to somebody like a Lifton or Norm Siegel or an Ettinger or someone like that. And that gets you hooked. And our question now is what do you do that as that generation who dedicated their total life to pediatric nephrology? What do you do as that generation kind of retires? Well, what I also loved about the group that trained me, um, they all had sort of different niches. So, um, you know, some did research, some were very focused on clinical care and education, and they really respected each other and supported each other in their other interests. And I think that, that one of the great things about nephrology is that there are so many avenues, right? You could be, um, you could do basic science research, you could do clinical research, translational, you can be a physician educator. Um, You can focus on clinical work. I mean, some nephrologists really dedicate their time to seeing patients 100% of the time. And I don't know that a lot of med students get to see that because they're not typically in the standard academic institutions. Yeah. So, so I think that's one um, kind of myth about peds nephrology that you have to be in a certain kind of place doing a specific type of job. I think there are endless opportunities in peds nephrology. And there's very good job security as as Patty and I know. I I just went through, I'm going through my second round of finding a third person. And there are so many jobs out there. It's, there is the bench strength in pediatric nephrology. It's, it's, there's a lot of opportunities. I'll put it that way. And then when someone comes and interviews, I tell them, Hey, listen, you're, you're in the driver's seat. You know, there's just, and there's positions at great places, you know, I mean, there's Definitely. a lot of good positions. So, And and I think our field being kind of a small group of people. So I think there are six or 700 board certified peds nephrologists, right? Um, we're very cohesive. And my feeling is that there's a lot of mentorship within our um, small family because we are really, you know, a small knit community and you you know, even though there's probably no, we don't overlap with research interests or clinical interests, but we just have, you and I just know each other from crossing paths. There's only, at, at most, there's two degrees of separation, I think, to any pediatric nephrologist. And the, and, and we have, we still, we have access to some of, like, if you want to, we have access to each other, like, if you think of uh, Brad Ward, you know, or these kind of, these, you know, bunchmen, you have access to these people who have seen it all and have done it all. So there's, there's that benefit of having of, of the small group. I was just thinking I'm going to take a resident to the PAS and at one yeah. meeting at the American Society of Pediatric Nephrology business meeting, she can meet, you know, Larry and Stu and meet all the people. She wants to do fellowship there. She has direct access to these people. Um, and, you know, if I say, hey, this resident is, you know, very well qualified, they're going to be then competing over that. There's just a lot of, op- there's a lot of opportunities in pediatric nephrology. I think you hit on it exactly right, is that allowing the residents, especially early on, undifferentiated, showing them the potential and the opportunity in pediatric nephrology, that you're not going to get locked into one thing or another, that it's just, there's, there's, the opportunities are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. So I, I think one of the things that I find fascinating is how different people's jobs are. So I am actually curious, what does your typical week look like? Yes, my typical week. That's a good question. And I'm going to backtrack for one second because Patty is an interesting person. And I say that from the way she got into medical school and she's much more kind of well-balanced. I could put myself in a little bit more of the kind of, I don't want to use the word geeky or nerdy <laughs> sense that 
you know, I kind of had an idea very early on that I wanted to be a doctor. And I had a lot of doctor role models in my family. So we had like, I, I had an uncle or an aunt in each one of the medical subspecialties. Do you know what I mean? So I had that exposure early on. And I really did like hardcore biology research. I like took one liberal arts class in college, which was comparative <laughs> literature, which was a disaster. And and then when I, I kind of got into medical school from the research track um, and saying, hey, this is this is what I, I really want to do um, and and got into medical school like that. And, um, you know, I guess from my perspective, what I've come to realize, which is both a cursing, a curse and a blessing is I could be happy doing a lot of different things. Yeah, you and I have that in common. So I am so excited to hear when there's another person like me out there. Yeah. Um, especially in a field like ours, like peds nephrology, because you know. So sorry to interrupt, but tell me no, about no, no, your no, av- I, I average think, work week. Yeah. I, I think I think one of the things that you know when I say I could be happy doing a lot of different things, the one the one caveat to that is that I need this idea of, of a challenge. That my job, my job is different every day I wake up and I come into work then, and there is never a dull moment in pediatric nephrology. So there either, there's a research question that's posed to me or a clinical question, or, you know, unfortunately as the head of the division, sometimes kind of a management or a leadership question that's posed to me, it, there is never a dull moment. So I never find myself ever going to work and thinking I'm going to be bored. And I think, you know, the way I got to pediatric nephrology isn't as necessarily as important as saying, well, when I got there, I realized this is going to be a stimulating career that does, as you mentioned, offers this kind of longitudinal exposure to patients. And, you know, we talk about the idea of chronic kidney disease. It's a chronic disease. Chronic disease breeds chronic problems. But the flip side of that is you have the opportunity, and we've both done it with patients we know that of following them through this adventure of chronic kidney disease and stage renal disease, eventually to transplant. And there's some tremendous satisfaction in that, help, being able to help a family and, and, and stick with it longitudinally. I'll tell you, my typical day varies tremendously. So there's days like I do a little bit of work down in Pensacola, which is basically me and a nurse working in an underserved area. So those days I'll see like 18 to 20 patients of patients who do not have a nephrologist, their nearest nephrologist is five or six hours away. And that's an opportunity of me just sitting there in, you know, it really feels like, you know, this idea of what it was like, the classic view of what it's like to be a doctor. You know, it's just you, a nurse, and a patient. And then I have the other extreme where I come up here and I'm in sort of an, it's not, you know, uh, you know, this idea of what is a, an academic environment. And I, I depend a lot of my interactions with the transplant, surgeons, urology, and it becomes a much more kind of complex mix of, of stuff. But up here, I'm able to offer a lot more services to patients than I am down there. So I have to say that I, I to me, and I, and I think this would be a nice thing to say is, if you're someone who enjoys being challenged and staying busy, pediatric nephrology meets all of those things. Um, it just, you know, there's, there's always something going on. I, I just don't like sitting around or I, I'd rather have a busy day. I'm more energized when I see a lot of patients than when I kind of sit around, I guess I would put it that way. I, I, maybe we share that we both have a little bit of ADHD because I also love the variety of what each day brings and, and being active. I, 
I also do not like to sit around and wait and, um, it's, it's never boring where I am as well. Um, and so I, I think we should also point out that both of us work in what, what would be classified as a smaller division. So we don't have, you know, 10 people. I have, we have five individuals, but really we're about three, 3.2 full-time equivalents. And we, we have different, um, responsibilities in leadership and education. Um, and actually the vast majority of peds nephrologists are in smaller divisions. And I, I think that's a little scary to some people, um, thinking about their long-term career and what is it like to be only two in a group or three in a group. But I feel like for us, at least the call coverage and the nighttime responsibilities are, are really doable. And, you know, I have three kids and I'm kind of middle-aged, so I'm not like a young, uh, chipper person anymore, but, um, I'm on call one week a month and in that I do hospital service and maybe one clinic. I get to do a lot of teaching of residents. Um, I sometimes schedule meetings at that point. Um, and then the other weeks I have clinic two or three days, and then I have the other days to do administrative and academic and um, kind of what I call the extracurricular activities that I like to do. Yes. That's really important, right? That idea that you have an outlet. And I, the, the, the key word these days is you hear bur physician burnout. Yeah. And that's if you don't enjoy what you're doing and you don't have an outlet. So I try to warn the, the people that come right out of fellowship. They're ready to go. They want to see, they want to do five days of clinic a week. You know, the patients are always going to be there for you, but you need something else that kind of hooks you. It doesn't have to be writing papers. It can be teaching residents, medical students. It can be a, a research project or a quality improvement project, but something that just takes you away from that everyday type of, that's, that's, that's huge. And I think if you, you know, there, we don't talk, you know, people who go to work and enjoy their job, they're not the people you're worried about burnout. So, I mean, I, I, that's, that's the, the always tricky thing is finding something that stimulates you and that you actually enjoy going to work. You're not going to, at the yeah. end of the day, you're not going to burn out. Um, I, I know Laura wanted us to also mention, though, that something something that maybe some people are a little afraid of, which is actually working with very ill children yes. um, and kind of the emotional burden of that. Yes. Um, I would love to hear sort of your thoughts on that. And I, I've thought about this a lot as, you know, I've had my own children and then you put yourself sort of in a different position when you have your own. Thing. I, I think that this idea that there's a that in nephrology that there's this kind of team approach. So when we go to that I, I always tell our social worker that, you know, I couldn't do my job without the social worker and I couldn't. And I think that that idea of having a team approach to taking care of chronically ill and very ill children, that is that is so important. Um, and having that having like a lot of times when I have a difficult discussion with a family or we're, we're talking about even stuff, you know, like end of life issues or access issues, having the social worker there and having a social worker that you trust that you work with that i don't know that just makes the job that much easier and you have that that support of someone who really understands the social needs of the family and that to me has been a key part like i would never want to work in a scenario where i did not have a social worker helping me with the with the dialysis and transplant and i think most hospital organizations recognize that, that there has to be a social work involved for a lot of the very complex, you know, interpersonal dynamics. But that to me has been a key part of the, the equation. How about yourself? 
So, you know, from a historical perspective, what I've learned over the last couple of years is that pediatric nephrologists have a really long history in advocacy. And one of the things they were able to um, ensure was that children on dialysis, which are which is a very expensive modality, have um, access to Medicare. So again, the only children who can really get Medicare to pay for that. And that they really demanded specific things to be required for a dialysis program, like you're saying, like a social worker, a dietitian. I mean, honestly, anything that any complex care group needs, right? But I just love that peds nephrologists were really on the forefront of this before advocacy was sort of a buzzword, that they were doing this long ago to ensure that they had the right type of uh, care team for their patients. So I'm really proud of that part of our history. Even if you think about the American Society of Pediatric Nephrology, they have that kind of ancillary meeting that they have every year now, which is geared towards social work, nutritionists. You know what I mean? That yeah, that, yeah. that shows how we kind of value that that we're we have we set aside a meeting for them. Right. You know, we try to make it low cost. We try to make sure that these they, these people can get time from their busy days so they can get together. It's um, yeah. That to me is heartwarming, especially when one of like my nutritionist or my social worker comes back from a meeting like that. They're excited. They've already, you know, they've been had the opportunity to talk to each other and learn from each other. That is uh, an incredible thing. Yeah. And then they can find their own communities as well. I, I guess we shouldn't be um, falsely optimistic. Um, you know, we do take care of sick kids. There are difficult patient scenarios. You know, pa- parents can get really stressed out when their kid has a chronic disease or even has an acute kidney issue. I think the colleagues that I know who have continued to thrive in peds nephrology really adopt this attitude that, um, you know, all of us are problem solvers and we like to think about solutions. Um, I think all of us also appreciate that many of our patients or most of the pediatric patients, they didn't cause their own disease. You know, they're completely uh, blameless. And it's, I think, very easy to have empathy for a kid who has um, a complex medical issue. Um, I think that the people we work with have a wonderful ability to see the good and what, what we're doing. And, and like you're saying, like the path, the journey to having a really significant issue to getting through treatment or going through a transplant is, is a really um, rewarding kind of piece of our work. And um, I would say the other thing is really the vast majority of our patients, they do do well. Right. Yes. Oh no. It's a, it's a great subspecialty to be in. We have two forms of dialysis. We have renal transplant. No, no one has to die from kidney failure. Basically. I I tell patients that all the time. We are so lucky. We have a machine to help do the job of our kidneys, or you know, get you through this whatever acute issue. Not not many specialties can really say that. But but I think that you know, knowing that the you know, highs are very high, lows are low, but the lows are infrequent in our field is really important. And I, I do think that is distinct in peds nephrology compared to, um, you know, adult nephrology. Yeah. I often tell my patients that we're going to go on a journey and that this journey is going to include sometimes we're in this valley looking up at Mount Everest and looking up at that mountain saying, how are we going to get over that? And that's the whole point of having a team that we've, we've, yeah. we've been the Sherpas, we've helped guide people over these mountains. And there's other going to be other times that we're at the top of the mountain and think, well, nothing's going to touch us. We're at the top, and but there's another valley ahead of us. But despite this kind of mountain valley, the overall course is to a place where you're going, you know, a, you know, a place where it's a good place to end up. One, one thing I want to touch upon, which you brought up, and I think, and I don't want to get too philosophical on this, but this idea of working with empathic people 
that I think that for whatever reason, you know, nephrology, like you mentioned, attracts people who have this kind of innate empathy and this ability to take care of patients. And I think when you work with empathic people or selfless people, that type of energy that surrounds you, that's the reason you're kind of drawn into work. Why, you know, and, and you watch these people interact with the patients. Uh, we all see it when you deal with someone who lacks empathy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what, they, what it's like to work with that person. The flip side, I often remind myself when I'm having a difficult day about these, these people that I have the opportunity to work with. That is, in a sense, a gift in itself, that my ability to come to work and work with empathic people you can't help feeling good about what you're doing and good about, you know, that is a key thing. And I think there's something about pediatric nephrology for the most part that attracts and attracts empathic people that in a chronic disease with chronic problems, but that's sort of the balance. So if you look, you know, there were, there were plenty of people who warned me about pediatric nephrology. <laughs> well, you're going to deal, you're going to deal with a chronic disease. The flip side of that is that people who are, who are helping and that empathy makes up for that kind of chronic disease in in a tremendous way. And I, I think that's a that's something as a young physician you don't necessarily think about about who are going to be the people you're going to end up working with. Are they going to be empathic people? What energy am I going to get from work? What support am I going to get from the, the providers around me? Um, and that's that's something that's hard to explain to someone who's kind of fresh out of going into medical school or coming out of you don't you don't think in those terms, but I, I think if you gave all the pediatric nephrologists and their staff sort of a test of like an, an empathy test, we would score very high up on that level. And then that is a, so if someone said to me, hey, what, you know, why should I choose pediatric nephrology? I think that would be part of the, part of the reason is it attracts a lot of empathic people. And if you look at the, the, the people you want to work with, uh, who's going to help support you when you have a bad day, you have a low day, who's going to be, you want to work with those supportive people, those empathic people, because they're going to keep you buoyed up, buoyed up. Yeah. So I'm also going to channel my inner nerd here that all of that I completely agree with. And it, it's interesting because it is also balanced with a group of people who love to problem solve and be analytical and reason through problems in a really yes. like rigorous way. And I, I just, I love the combination of those two things. And I, I think, yes. you know, when you go into pediatrics, like we'll talk maybe to the medical students who know they want to do pediatrics, all of the things you're saying are true. There are great, wonderful people in pediatrics. Nurses are fabulous. Like technicians, like everybody who works with children does have something that drives them to want to work with children um, that, I, that we both love. But I, even in my PEDS residency, sort of found that certain types of situations made me really like uncomfortable or, you know, they weren't scientific or there's a lot of, you know, I, I will just say I really respect my developmental colleagues because I find de child development to be one of the most challenging fields oh, yeah. because there isn't a lot of, um, you know, you can't map a pathway or know, a, you know, a flow diagram of, of certain things. Yes. Whereas in nephrology, we get sort of the touchy-feely stuff and we get the rigor. We get the uh, problem-solving and really cool innovation and, um, you know, nerdy part of things that I think um, also makes for this community that has these two sides of their personalities that are really fun to work with. Yeah. I, I will make a, make a little bit of a joke. I always tell people I'm a thinker, not a doer, you know, which is always kind of, you know, like we we approach a lot of our problems by thinking about them. But also nephrology offers, there's also this kind of, I joke around, I call it the sort of the dark side of nephrology. Here we are on one side, 
writing dialysis prescriptions, talking about sodium balance, all very kind of intellectual stuff. And then there's this idea of the glomerulonephritis diseases where, you know, we really haven't, you know, FSGS, there's, a, there's this kind of side of nephrology that we have a lot of syndromes. We just don't, we don't have necessarily a lot of analytic tools to figure out who's going to recur with this disease or why lupus gives one patient this, you know, renal disease and another renal disease does it. So there's a lot of the, 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 the breadth of the field, you know, even if you, if you came in and said, well, I'm not so much interested in blood gases and, you know, sodium balance, there's room in the field for you to tackle glomerulonephritis, FSGS. And then there's also the flip side that, you know, a lot of, we all find ourselves drawn to different areas. Yeah. But I, I would say that, you know, there's a lot of thinking in nephrology. There's a, it's a, it is a, it definitely trends towards more of the anal. I think one of the reasons I got into it was this idea of understanding how the body works, you know, this idea of physiology, you know, being able to say at the end of the day, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, one of the classic examples is if you understand how each area of the tubular works, well, then you can predict the disease that's going to present, you know, by yes. affecting that yeah. area of the tubule. And that, I think, I think that's very satisfying in a, in a, in a strange way. And I always it explain to the residents, yeah. you don't have to, you, know, you don't have to memorize diseases in nephrology. Well, you can say, I understand the proximal tubule does this. So therefore, if the proximal tubule is not working, the patient's yeah. going to present a certain it's way. so logical, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love those, you know, single gene mutation diseases that have an impact on one transporter, like barters. And then you see like what happens to the person and it just, boils down like what you're trying to learn in physiology, like the impact of these one pathway, one channel, what, you know, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I love those types of, I always, I, when I give the hypertension talk, I, then I throw up a slide of the, the, the monogenic causes of hypertension, mm. which are exceedingly rare. But I do say to the audience, I say, if you find this interested, you may want to become. I'm trying to think if, if there are other things that we should mention to people who are even considering this. Um... I think early exposure. If you have, if you have an interest, I think the exposure, I, I found that one of the things that is, is, you know, if we want to draw people into pediatric nephrology, one of the things that we have to be better about is exposing young residents to what, you know, pediatric nephrology is, is involves. And I find that if you to other, maybe advice to other nephrologists who are out there listening and kind of want to build pediatric nephrology up, sort of the idea is that you really have to, it's it's no longer this idea that the people are just going to, they're going to be born and want to do pediatric nephrology. You really have to, there's so many different varied interests out there that you have to really show that person about what your job involves and get them excited about it. And so much as that exposure to the field is what eventually draws that person to pediatric nephrology. And the flip side is if they have you know, if they have no exposure to pediatric nephrology, they're never going to think about doing it. So that that is it. I, I found here at, at Nemours, once we started, you know, spending time with the residents, all of a sudden there's people who are interested in doing a pediatric nephrology fellowship. Yeah. You know, these yeah. are the people that are coming out of the woodwork that would never have come out of the work, woodwork if they hadn't had exposure. Yeah. So that's, that's a tough thing. You have to catch people early. You know, oh, you're catching yes. people their yep. second or third year of residency they're, they've already differentiated, you know, and they're not gonna. Yeah. It, it's hard that, that piece, right? Because a lot of us are from smaller divisions and we were wearing many, many hats already to then, you know, try to find a way to teach the renal physiology course to second year med students or some, somewhere early, but it's not that we don't want to do it. It's um, sometimes a manpower we're issue. pulled in a lot of directions. But I think the other thing I wanted to, you know, point out is that in the last couple of years, I think there's been this amazing push for intra 
um, institutional collaboration in research. And, and for a yes. smaller division like us, you know, we don't have people who came here to do research. Like we take care of patients and, but we're still able to collaborate and be part of CK in, in Midwest yes. to be part of these amazing collaboratives that are turning out really, really nice uh, research because our diseases are sometimes rare and we only have a three or four in our division. But if you combine that with the three and four from everybody else's divisions, you know, you actually get some great results. So um, I would say that that is another kind of great asset of our field that that people are doing really well, that has a lot of promise and potential. The collaboratives have really taken off. And I think because now we have Scope, we have so CKID, yeah, we so have IROC coming on board. So there's a lot of, you're exactly right. And I think the field has come to realize that if we're really going to tackle some of these rare diseases, yeah. we have to take more of like the hematology kind of COG approach eventually where, you know, that to work that will work together as one larger group as opposed to being kind of separate islands. So I guess the only other thing that we should mention is, you know, the training path. So I think most people have already committed to pediatrics and then do a fellowship in peds nephrology, which at this point is three years. Yeah. Um, there's been talk of, you know, should we create a fellowship that is you know, really clinically focused without the academic and research part that will be shorter. Um, but I'm not, you know, I think that's, that's being discussed at higher levels. Yeah. That's a difficult thing because this, uh, we are still training patients. We are still training fellows with the idea that, that, that uh, at the end of the day, their job is going to be kind of an academic job where they'll split their time doing research and teaching and, and clinical care. Whereas at the end of the day, that there is this huge amount of clinical care that needs to take place. So, um, you know, we wonder where the field is eventually going to move. That maybe there will be eventually a two-year fellowship, where you still get some exposure to research. And but the the, the idea is, hey, you know, I'm I'm going to choose a little bit more of a clinical track. It's just hard. To, that's that's an evolution in the field, yeah, and that's going to yeah. be. I don't know. I don't think any of us understand which way the field is right. going to go. I think all of us have our own opinions about if we're going to attract pe more people into pediatric nephrology, there also right. has to be this kind of clinical. Yeah, there has to be flexibility, I think. I mean, it's funny. I, I actually love fellowships so much. I did like almost five years. I had, you know, three kids and uh, did an extra research postdoc year, and I, which was funded by the National Kidney Foundation, I should point out. Um, but, but I think sometimes at that phase of your career, you think you want to do one thing and then you're not quite sure. But I, I think the great thing about peds nephrology is there are ample opportunities to change directions. I mean, when I was a fellow, I actually was in a wonderful basic science lab. Mike Kaplan, who's a MD, PhD physiologist, was my PI and just an amazing research role model and just human. Um, and I really was loving basic science research. I, it was super fascinating and interesting. But but to do that well, you have to really whittle down how much patient care you participate in. And I really felt the pull of that and, you know, had a hard time not seeing patients more often. So so in the end, you know, I decided to go back to um, patient care and I've found other opportunities. The strange thing is you're you know, I, I, I don't think you disagree with this is that you're a better physician from having that experience. Do you know what I mean? Like that, totally, I don't know, yeah. that, that type of analytical thinking that you get in the lab. And that's that's often difficult to, to ascribe to someone where you can devote yourself to thinking about a basic science question and 
the, the, the thought processes there, you learn a lot about yourself and how to be a physician. And then that translates very nicely. So that's, that's often hard to explain to somebody saying, yeah. well, what's the, why do I have to go to lab? Why do I have to do this basic science? It, right. It's. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, but as long you don't know if you don't try. Right. And I think exactly. in peds nephrology, when I was looking at fellowships, you know, I felt like an undifferentiated cell myself. Like you could do this, you could do that type of research. You could do this. There's, there's just a lot out there. So, um, so hopefully people kind of earlier in their careers, um, see the, the vast potential for what we do and how much we love it. All right. Well, what do you love to do outside of work? That's a good question. Um, I like to drive my children to soccer practice. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm like a human Uber. Yeah. And a, and a, surveillance i like to hear what they're talking about with their friends uh, no i <laughs> i try to ski i try to play soccer myself i try to you know i i love being on a team i really miss that from you know high school and college so i actually found myself a over 40 women's soccer team wow um which is pretty fun but but our our motto is you know give 70% of effort because if you give 100% and you're a little old and out of shape you might injure yourself <laughs> So, so we're just, you know, enjoying ourselves, but not trying to get hurt. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, you know, one thing I've, I've kind of, and it's a strange thing to say that I, now I really love to travel and I, some, some of me, you know, that's, that takes me away from my family, but as the kids get older now, they want to travel with me. So, which is nice. And I find that, that, that works for whatever reason that works well with pediatric nephrology, because there's a lot of very interesting places to visit that are sort of building their pediatric nephrology program. So for example, I've had the opportunity to go to India and kind of help out with people who are building their own pediatric nephrology. And then even going to someplace, I just got back from my, with my daughter from China, like her friend, her friend in, in middle school lives in Shanghai. Her parents live in Shanghai. So we went to visit her. And then while I was there, I met the pediatric nephrologists and it's just fascinating to see these these different ways of practicing medicine and the you know this the the balance between resources and patients. Here we tend to be very resource heavy mm. and not have as many patients. Well, what do you do when you flip you go to India and you have to flip that where there's millions of patients but your resources are less? How do you balance that? And that is a nice a nice kind of niche for if a pediatric nephrologist wants. If you like traveling, there's a lot of opportunity out there for. Uh, for, for doing good and outreach. Yeah. So we're, we're actually now, I'm going to go down with a urologist. God knows what's going to happen, but we're going to go down to Peru. And, uh, and I know the urologists can do a lot of good because uh, they can do some quick surgeries, but I'm kind of curious to see what type of pediatric, you know, can, is there a role also for kind of outreach pediatric nephrology? I love that you pointed that out because a lot of the residents and med students I work with are very interested in global health and advocacy. And in their mind, they've sort of decided, well, if I want to do global health, I have to do emergency medicine or general peds. But that is so not the case. And in fact, when you're a peds nephrologist, you really have this special set of skills that is very, very helpful to um, communities all over the world. And I, I think the other cool thing that I love being part of is, um, you know, our listserv, which is very international. Um, that really allows peds nephrologists from different parts of the world to communicate with each other and collaborate and talk about patients. Um, I think that the global health opportunities in peds nephrology are also really ample um, and and just not something we publicize very well, I guess. The nice flip side is also that our organizations, the IPNA 
they have a very active fellowship program. Sometimes that means bringing the expert to the area or bringing the person from an underserved area into, you know, to get their training. That's been a very kind of that, that advocacy and that that's, that's also nice to be part of a field that's thinking in that way. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Thank you so much, Dr. Siomayer and Zaritsky for letting us record this engaging conversation. If you are a medical student or a resident and you have a question about nephrology, or if you'd like to be on the podcast and talk about your career, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org.